0: Hey, this episode is uh, with Amit of St. Jeezy. He is a uh, promoter down here in uh, so southwest Utah. Um, he also runs a, uh, a festival called Landside Festival. So um, we're just going into what it takes to be in the event space or, uh, business. Uh, I'll link all of his information in the show notes and in the the instagram page uh give them give them a follow um check it out i hope you guys come and visit landslide next year uh next summer and they actually do have a um new year's party planned up in cedar city uh this new year's eve so i'll link all that information in the instagram and in the show notes give them a follow hope you guys enjoy this podcast start like what made you want to be uh, any vet promoter slash management like what inspired you to do that especially for this little area of southwest <laughs> Utah
1: <laughs> well honestly cause I uh, growing up sports was everything for me and I was always busy doing football, if not football, training for basketball, and then, you know, playing other sports. That I never really had a lot of leisure time. And I went up, <clears throat> I, I was supposed to be playing football after my mission. Um, and essentially, what happened is I found a different route, ended up getting married later on. But during that process of, basically hanging up the cleats i realized i had a crap or ton of time so i started just having fun in college you know just putting together little things little unique things i i my my pet peeve was people saying you know oh this would be super fun to do um and never doing it (laughs) so for an example, my first thing that we did was out in Santa Hollow, We threw up, you know, a projected movie. We had, um, you know, floating. Uh, we, we were doing. We we brought a bunch of air mattresses and was doing, you know, like we were floating and watching the movie out there. We had a big old party. So we we're just doing like little things, little fun things, and I just realized, hey, like. You know, I'm the only one that's really trying to take it up next level and doing these fun, unique things. And it was growing from, you know, a few people to a few hundred people. Um, And then I'm also really interested in marketing. And so I got to the point where I was like, hey, I can kind of do this as experience for me as I go to school for marketing and business. And then it went to, I can do this to help support me, go through school. And then it was obviously I can do this for a career. And so it's, that's the route it took. I like bringing people together. I like doing things that are unique. Um, So that's kind of where I get my my pleasure and that's where it kind of started.
0: So I actually attended your, was it your first Landslide Festival?
1: Um was that last year two two years two ago. years ago
0: you I, you guys had cutthroat.
1: oh yeah, yeah, so that was the first one
0: okay i didn't I just met you about a week ago, yeah, um we had like a little business meeting, but the whole time I was sitting across from you, and I was like something about this guy, and I was like, Is he Polynesian <laughs> and then I can't you brought it up. <clears throat> Yeah. And you're saying you're half-tongue, and I was like, sweet. Yeah. And we started talking about rugby, started talking. We just kind of got into it. And then I just asked you if you want to do a podcast. Yeah. Um, but I have seen your marketing, like, you market very well on Instagram. Um, I think social media has really changed the game as far as mm-hmm. marketing's gone. Definitely. Um, a lot of. The influencers that I have that had come on the podcast, I've actually seen through TikTok, and everybody likes to diss TikTok as just a <laughs> waste of time, but it's actually got a lot of pretty cool stuff on there. Um, but let's talk about your your vision for your future business, like like I landslide was definitely fun. Like, I saw people of all ages. It was a really good time. Thanks. I
1: appreciate that.
0: We didn't get to go last year. My wife was pregnant, so she wasn't going to go down the slide. (laughs) Um, That's probably best. But it it definitely was an outlet that people needed, especially during COVID. Mm. When we... pretty Yeah. Well, Southern Utah, pretty much everybody acted like nothing ever happened. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But having an outlet to go out and have fun is an outdoors event um, and just having events down in <coughs> Southern Utah period because mm-hmm. you don't get a lot of the party vibe down down in this area like a lot of people go to Vegas they go to Salt Lake and you know what you're doing is I think you know capturing that market that we're losing out on and we can go into uh, like city ordinances, city councils, oh, that because I know we you know yeah. that we ran into a problem trying to throw an event for our our I don't know if you want to call it business event yeah promoting business <clears throat> but and then something I talked about before is definitely especially for this area needing a change having people having especially you know the younger crowd they need an outlet to go have fun in a safe environment Mm -hmm. and i definitely felt like at landslide festival it was a it was a pretty safe environment you guys had security you guys had sheriff there and i felt like there's like you know not a lot of i felt pretty safe yeah Um, good (laughs) yeah
1: so what was your question again? It was, uh, um, or what's my overall vision?
0: Yeah, your okay. overall vision for what you want to grow this these, these companies into.
1: <clears throat> yeah, so I'll start off with St. Jeezy. That's kind of where it started. Um, that was the first, I. what would you say, um, the first business that was starting to promote events. I actually, my, my plans with St. Jeezy is to turn it into a clothing line. <clears throat> yeah, so St. Jeezy is, is slang for St. George. Um, a lot of people might not know that, whoever's listening, but St. <clears throat> Jeezy's always been floating around there. And so from the very beginning, I was like, wow, it's basically this branded name already that hasn't been taken, hasn't been grabbed. And St. George is also known for this destination for people up north. People love St. George. Um, so yeah, St. Jeezy, I, I grabbed the name and my overall vision is to turn it into a brand. And then through the events is kind of how I set the the uh, culture, you could say. Um, the events that we do is usually unique outdoor events. Uh, one of the events that we started to do and it really took off was the landslide festival and the landslide festival is i theme it as it's a music festival and adventure so it's a music and adventure festival part of the adventures you know a 200 foot water slide that throws you into a private pond we have you free utv rides we, this last year we had you know bmx uh, competitions dirt bike jump competitions camping and and all of that so It blew up so much that I decided to make it its own business and start to have its own branding and its own themes. And so St. Jesus is going to go that direction. And I'm going to build Landslide Festival. I want it to be a large festival, um, just a a once a year festival, somewhat to, I mean, obviously the idea would, would make it kind of like an iconic, you know, festival like the Burning Man or um one of these other festivals edc edc something like that with its own what it's and i want it to be known for more as the adventure side of it you know i i I want it to be more on the wholesome side especially down here i need to need to do that just because the city is very very difficult to be working with with down here just um kind of the old more of conservative um so nothing wrong with it but i just need to be mindful of of that so I plan to grow Landslide Festival to <clears throat> bring in Class A artists that I feel, you know, St. George's really doesn't even have a lot of Class C, Class B artists coming through. Yeah. So I want it to be that opportunity for a lot of people down here to experience really solid, good talent, uh, the top talent in the world and have it at a, such a unique aspect to this festival that it's known throughout the world. Yeah,
0: because this this last year you had Jason Derulo.
1: Yes. So we had Jason Derulo and Daya the, um, on We had two days, Dea then, then Jason Derulo. Who would be your
0: dream artist to get for, for the next one?
1: <clears throat> oh, man.
0: Well, or would there be a couple? Like day one, day two?
1: Actually... My dream artist has been Post Malone for a while, <laughs> you know, I think just because Utah loves him <laughs> and it's, you know, kind of a Utah connection there. Post Malone, I really like, um, Elenium that, that guy is, is pretty solid. I would love to bring in some, you know, 21 Pilots, just different genres, really. I'd love to, to bring, you know, those kind of cats in, so.
0: I remember when there was a rumor that Post Malone was actually moving to St. George. Oh, yeah. Everybody was, good. Everybody was speculating on where he was going to buy his house, but I don't, it didn't happen.
1: <clears throat> yeah, no, I was, uh, I was a believer. <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I definitely think that St. George is really missing out on a certain market there because this is a good stopover spot from people coming from Vegas to Salt Lake or Salt Lake down to Vegas as far as artists goes. Um it actually would be pretty cool to get a comedy club down here too.
1: There is one. Oh, there is. One? Yeah, it's it's pretty small. It's still starting up. Um Electric Comedy Club, I think it's called. Oh, Electric Theater? Yeah, Electric Theater. Isn't that Isn't that a stand-up a uh, comedy club? Like
0: No, uh, I thought it was just a theater.
1: Yeah, like, they have they, a movie screen. Maybe they started it. Yeah, they have they have shows and they stand-up comedians and everything and Oh, pretty. So it's not It's yeah. pretty cool.
0: Yeah. And we don't really have a concert venue. Well, we have TuaCon. But we don't really have <clears throat> no. those big-name artists yeah. drop in, I think, before I moved here. Um, I think the biggest artist was Malcolm Moore.
1: Oh, yeah, but that was before he even took off. Yeah. I mean, that's been St. George's claim to fame for a long time, and that was before he was <laughs> considered one of one of the top. But, yeah, just him, really.
0: Okay, so, sorry, we got... Um, battery died on us, so um, we we're talking about um, the the market and yeah. how it's this area is right for like something like a venue or some sort or like your your festival because I really think it brings a needed outlet to people. Um, because the first year, how many how many days was it? It was just one. One. Mm-hmm. Did you do multiple? This last time, yeah, we did too, which is pretty mm-hmm. awesome um, because it's giving. So you got you got Dixie State, mm-hmm. you have SUU, and then you have this whole other group of people that probably range from age twenty five to forty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That that need that need concerts that need events to to blow off some steam and. I think where you do it is the perfect area because you're not disturbing anything and it's in the middle of it's out in the middle of uh, nowhere on the middle of nowhere but it it works and you know you have the free uh side-by-side rides Mm -hmm. which was (laughs) the drivers are pretty crazy (laughs) um but like you said the outdoor experience so you're combining an outdoor experience with the festival element you're getting you're, you're getting every pretty much everything you need. You have vendors there um, selling food. Um, you have you know, axe throwing. Yeah. Um, trying to think what else you had. It, well, let's not forget the giant slide that everybody goes flying off. Um, <laughs> I, I'll 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 link a video to that in the Instagram because it was pretty fun.
1: Yeah. This this last year we did a lot of renovations we um cleared a i think 15 acres just for parking and then we had a utv professional graded and designed track that we had moved and it was it was over 20 acres so just a 20 acre racetrack right there we put in a huge i don't know if you've been out there this past no uh, i've been out there for for about okay so on the back side of the water slide you have even um, we have a bunch of ramps for bmx for downhill you know jumping um we we put in volleyball courts sand volleyball courts um, we put in an expanded concert venue area um, a whole you know vendor village area camping locations so yeah there is we did quite a bit of work out there
0: yeah i can't wait till the next year um seems like it's I can't wait to see the changes. Yeah. Like, I kind of want to drive out there just to go see it, just to see what, like, every all the changes you made. Because it sounds like you it, you did a lot. And um, it's, it's, a, it's what people, I can't, I'll keep on saying this, it's what people need. <laughs> Especially for this area. Because there's really no other outlet um, for them to go to.
1: You know, and it's been interesting because the reason it's that way is because the city is a little bit more difficult to work with. So these challenges to, you know, that that most everyone runs into actually creates opportunity because it discourages, you know, 90% of the people that want to yeah. do something like that. But then it gives an opportunity for the 10% who actually goes and, and tries to do it. So it's uh, it's it's been a blessing, but also, I mean, that's why we, you know, it's a huge opportunity. There's not a lot of stuff going on down, down here and... And like you said, a lot of people just need it. Just needs a little bit more uh, life (laughs) for the younger crowd.
0: And I feel as the college grows, yeah, they're going to need that. Otherwise, you know, it's. I've, I've, I've been up to Cedar, and it's pretty. It's not that far, but still, you know, we kind of want to attract students coming. To Dixie State to grow it, mm-hmm. but instead they're going up to SUU because there's a little. I don't know. I feel like there's a little bit more freedom to do things up there. I think, yeah, I think there is. Um, it's more spread out, and they welcome. I think they welcome the, these events because it draws in. It draws money in. Mm-hmm. Um, you have people spending money on hotels. It's bringing. It's bringing in tax dollars, pretty much. Yeah, which is always good for a city, um, and that I think that's something that. I wish St. George would kind of look at it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's going, I, I think just a little bit longer.
1: Um, I think really what they're particular about is making sure that we are doing it safe yeah. and that we're doing it right. You know, it doesn't impede too much with traffic or it, uh, <clears throat> you know, we don't, we, we have all the measures in place to discourage, you know, alcohol or drugs, whatever that, you know, it's not permitted on, on the uh, property. So I think in just a little bit, St. George is going to open up more. And like you said, when there are those safer environments, those controlled environments, it discourages more of these house parties, underground yeah. parties, you know, under, you know, drinking, drugs, all of that. It, it kind of refocuses and gives people that outlet. Yeah, and it,
0: I feel like if the city feels like they can control it a little bit better, like you said, I'd rather have an event for, you know, younger people well, anybody, like, n- discouraging the, the, the kind of house party environment where you don't know what's going on, um, but having some control over that and regulation so that you can control it, but, like, don't be the fun police and shut it down so early because they're <laughs> playing music past 10, stuff like that. Like, we went to, um, we got invited to the college campus, uh, It was the phone party. Mm -hmm. And everything was pretty good there. Like Security was there. They had police. So I think if, you know, the city needs to come out and see that things are being run the proper way. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't, I'll run for city council.
1: (laughs) Yeah, there you go. That's really how you change things, right?
0: Um, So the future of St. Gigi and Landslide look very bright. Um, Well, thank you let's let's go into so we we kind of talked about before we started uh recording about kind of each other's backgrounds and uh our experiences with our cultures um so amon is mm-hmm. um, pretty much born and raised in utah yeah um what and you're you're Afikasi like i am i don't know if that's the Tongan word? Yeah, it is. Okay. So I, I found that Samoans and Tongans their are languages very similar as like Maori and Ho- and Hawaii and Hawaiians have. They're very much similar. So like we share a lot of the same words. Mm-hmm. We share a lot of the same customs too. Yeah. Um, I think sad-like. we're more related than anybody else out there. Yeah. Um, so let's go into like your experience growing up and what the culture has brought to you in how you kind of gravitate or not gravitate cuz we talk like big things rugby we both love rugby mm-hmm. um but talk about like we were talking about how your 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 father came from Tonga and how he brought that really sense of good morals okay. with him yeah so um
1: my yeah my my dad grew up on the island of Tonga and he actually came to the U.S. to play rugby and go to school, so he came a little bit later in his life, <clears throat> and that's where he met my my mom, and they they raised us here in Saint George, Utah. Yeah, and then um, my dad, he really there was a lot of the there was a lot of parts to the culture that he thought <clears throat> was kind of ridiculous or didn't like. And so he distanced himself from Tonga, not only, you know, in distance wise, but also just the whole atmosphere of, I mean, the whole concept of teaching us Tongan or some of the the cultures, uh, cultural rituals or whatever it be, we we didn't learn anything really. We grew up away from my Tongan side of the family, so we, we grew up only doing the fire knife for people's, you know, luau's and baptisms, and that's about it for the culture. But, like I was telling Brandon, I I feel that my dad still taught us and instilled in us, you know, the morals behind the culture. Um, You know, for example, respect for the elders is so high in the Tongan culture that they, you know, it's... It, it, they go to a next level and, and obviously I don't know all the details of the, how they do it but you know it's one of the things that my dad has instilled in us and children is you know for example respecting um, elders, respecting women, children, all of those things so I think there's a lot of crossovers from a lot of the good traditions and the under the foundational you know morals and, and uh, reasons for those cultures I think that we're still crossover into my life.
0: Do you ever feel like you want to reconnect with that part that the the culture that you didn't get? And but still and in an essence pick and choose what makes sense and what doesn't. Because you have you have a you have a kid, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm going through the same thing with my four kids. Well, yeah, four. The youngest one is still a baby, but we'll see what happens when he's older and if I can end up you Know teaching my kids uh, more about my culture, like I want to put them in Polynesian dance mm-hmm. with uh, Siva Pacifica down in, in St. George. Um, I'll start dropping word, like, I'll start using words, I'll start substituting words mm-hmm. in, in, uh, in someone. Um, they laugh at me, they think it's funny, <laughs> um, but I, I want them, you know. So, I people have heard me say it a lot, like, because I'm because I'm Afakasi, because my wife is Cuban, they're only a quarter someone, and like I had a big fear of that them that they won't grow up with a sense of our culture. Um and so that's you know, that's something I struggle with because you know, I want them to have an idea of what it was like with like when their grandparent when, when their grandmother and their great-grandmother um, were born in the islands and have like that you know how in a, in a sense how good they have it in America yeah as opposed to like mm-hmm. being stuck in the island still I think I want them to have an appreciation which they also get from the Cuban side because my wife her, my my wife's a first-generation American my mother-in-law fled Cuba during the revolution and they knew what it was like to struggle mm-hmm so they'll get the essence of what it's like to struggle from both sides of the family and um you know it's just as a parent how do you go about teaching these things when you really don't you know the like i will say i know the basics about being someone Mm -hmm. um i don't know like and it's something that Due to social media and YouTube, that mm-hmm. I've, we're able to learn a little bit more. Yeah, but we also need to um, to get that from our elders. Mm-hmm. Um, I think our elders are so valuable to us right now. To be able to tell our our children and our grandchildren that you know, it wasn't so easy for like this anymore, or it's, it wasn't so easy like it is now, mm-hmm. um, and. The episode I had with my friend Mark, he talks about if you didn't fish and catch anything, you didn't eat. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what he like when they when he went back to Fiji. Um, but have you have you ever thought about how you're going to bring your children into the culture?
1: Yeah, I mean, to your one question as well as you know, do what would I like to reconnect my culture or learn more and um, <clears throat> learn. Uh, more about it I definitely do Um, and also instill that into my children and this is why I've been pondering about it actually for the past little bit you know about culture about remembering culture you know you can go overboard I feel like in a lot of ways Um, and so I was I was kind of thinking about it and I think what it comes down to is I feel that everyone should know their heritage whether you're white, black, brown or whatever it is. I think that knowing where you came from, who you came from, it helps you understand, you know, it helps you actually have a greater appreciation for their sacrifices and what your situation is now. So I definitely want to teach my kids, you know, the culture and have them be able to, you know, find fun in it, find pride in it and learn a little bit more about, you know, our ancestors in the Tongan side. Also, you know, with my wife, she's white and she has a lot of ancestors that comes from, you know, Germany and Russia. And we were just barely on the phone and reading some of um, their, their uh, ancestral stories, you know, and, and, my, and I was able to watch my wife find a lot of pride and a lot of happiness and a lot of, you know, gratitude for her situation. So that's what I'm saying. I don't think it's just, you know, Polynesian culture or, you know, if someone's black and they're holding on to their African culture, I don't, I really think it's everyone across the board. It's more heritage, which is, you know, it can be the same thing. But I think, I mean, we, we read scriptures, right? People that are Christian, we read scriptures and that's, that's historical. Really it's, it's history. I feel like history across the board, and I'm a huge history buff. I love, love, love history because I think it's important, like you said to help us be more grateful in our lives today and be able to learn from past experiences?
0: I get asked a lot because I was raised by my mother and my Samoan family. That I get asked, why don't I claim being white? And it's not from shame or anything like that. It's because my dad doesn't really have a connection. And my dad was adopted and he doesn't really have he, I don't think he really had a desire to get to know his heritage. Um, but recently we found his biological family. He has like four brothers. So I started digging into their backgrounds. His mom, she passed away a, lo- a long time ago. But like I never, like I've always had the desire to know. My dad's side. It's not like for mm-hmm. shame. It's not like oh, I have shame for being white. It's just that I grew mm-hmm. up with such a strong yeah. um, Samoan family. That was also wanting to assimilate when they moved here. Mm-hmm. They wanted to hold on to the parts of the culture that made sense, but they also wanted to be American. They also they were told speak English outside the house, but you can speak Samoan inside but we, the the whole goal was to assimilate into american culture and my family's done a pretty good job of being i don't want to say like assimilated but they they caught on to the american culture pretty quick and yeah. growing up in the midwest <clears throat> with no other polynesians around it's pretty easy to to kind of catch on to that <laughs> so i i was very fortunate that i grew up with that um but I um, you talk about history, so I have a bachelor's degree in history. Not mm-hmm. using it currently, I work at a warehouse. <laughs> um, one of the like this is something I've been wanting to ask other Polynesians, um, because go, going through college, going through high school and college, I really felt like there's this huge emphasis on European history, with, rightfully so. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I, I want to ask, not just to you, but to to everybody that's listening, just chime through with your comments on Instagram when I post this. I feel like having a lack of written language in the Polynesian cultures, I think that has also um, why we don't have such... We do have a rich history. To us, we do. Mm -hmm. But to everybody else, to the scholars and and, and intellectuals, I really don't feel like an emphasis is put so much on 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 our history until like probably the 1800s because we had kind of a lack of a written history or an alphabet. I could be completely wrong about the alphabet thing. <laughs> I should have done my research before I, before I said that. <clears throat> but that's what this is for. This podcast is for learning. So please, if anybody's out there, educate me. And that's why I want to reach out eventually to some um, Polynesian professors, so that they could, you know, clear, clear, uh, make light of certain things. But like growing, like the only thing I learned about our culture growing up was, it was mainly focused on Hawaii because Hawaii became a fifty, became a state. Um, there's a lot of controversy surrounding that, um, which talking to a lot of Hawaiians, they're still. You know it's kind of like a forced occupation to them because it, you know it was taken taken from them but that that's the only history lesson that's the only history that we went through about Poly- the about polynesians through high school and through college i'm pretty sure that if mm-hmm. you go to if you were taking if you're going to university in in new zealand or australia or in hawaii that you'll learn about more about it yeah. because it's more geared towards that but I think that there's such a lack of knowledge of our culture here in the United States because we don't, they are not taught that in school. The thing that I got a lot in school was football, Hawaiian punch, um, Hawaiian shirts. And that's about it. Like there wasn't really, you know, Oh, Elvis. That's the other thing. Um,
1: sounds like a pretty good uh <laughs> a pretty fun school but
0: it kind of like leaves you more of a desire to learn mm-hmm. and so do, like do you do you think that the lack of a written language up until like about the 1800s is up until european contact has
1: yeah i uh <clears throat> i think it has its pros and its cons i i love to look at different civilizations different cultures around the world and draw some similarities Um, one of which is the lack of written history you know you can find that in a lot of the African cultures and I spent two hours two two years there on a um, on a mission for for my church so I I love to draw conclusions there or whether it be you know South America. I think one of the cons is that fact of being able to accurately transfer that information to the next generation, because there is so much history. Like even with if I keep my own journal of my history, you know, like there's just so much history, good and bad. And I think just the lack of. Um, that power of communication from one generation to the next, it is a huge con in educating the world or educating, you know, our, our children. Um, so I think, yeah, I think it, it is definitely plays to a part of it. Um, but I love the oral history. I think also with, with the oral history, one of the pros is, you know, it, it can teach it as almost a parable um like you know Christ would do <clears throat> you know it would it, it helps you really stretch the mind in a different way more of an artistic way or you know in and in, in kind of hit different parts of your brain so I think there's some interesting points to both but i yeah, i agree with you that it, it definitely would attribute to it um
0: favorite Polynesian <clears throat> musician
1: musician huh Oh man. Yeah, that's a hard one. Uh, I actually, it's funny though that I I put on these events and I bring in artists, but I have no idea about music. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I'm serious. I don't listen to a lot of music. I I, I tend to try to, to pull someone in my corner that does. But I have recently learned about the Jets. Okay. So I didn't really know too much about them. Um, but it was a few months ago I, I heard about them. And, and so I think that's like, at least on the top of my mind right now, um, a pretty solid group.
0: (laughs) So, um, what would you, so future expansion for St. Jeezy and landslide, Mm -hmm. would you look outside the state? Would you want to grow this even more?
1: Yeah. Um, I've gone back and forth. The way that I look at it is I don't want to dedicate my whole life to the event industry. Um, one of the you know benefits to America, the reason why a lot of our ancestors came here, is that opportunity to really reach for the stars in different uh, avenues. So I look at the event industry right now, as a stepping stone for me. I see that there's an opportunity here in Southern Utah to place um, this, you know, festival and this opportunity to bring that kind of culture here. So my idea is I actually have other aspirations. I want to be able to create this into a, you know, a source of revenue for me to be able to finance some of my other um, aspirations and dreams. So I I, I wouldn't say I want to dedicate the time that would be necessary to expand it across the states, but yeah, just make sure that this one, uh, that these companies down here, you know, I can maximize it as much as possible.
0: Would you ever think about throwing like a poly fest? Yeah, I have actually never thought about that,
1: <laughs> and well, actually, I came across a festival. I think it's down in California. I think they do a holly fest i think they, do. they have
0: several yeah at least um, of,
1: i don't know too many i found one though that would look
0: pretty sweet i know for someone's flag day is a very big holiday flag day. so they have a big flag day festival i've been to fire knife competitions like international mm-hmm. fire knife competitions that they put yeah. on there They have like you know luau luau days or mm-hmm. stuff like that i don't think saint george eh. it's really bad because it's podcast is the whole thing is about to be about poly, supposed to be about Polynesian culture, but I have not linked up with a lot of Polynesian <laughs> organizations in St. George. There's not a lot. I know that there's, um, oh man, I can't remember. I think it's the Southern, Southern Utah, Pacific Islander Coalition. Um,
1: oh, what is it? Uh. Pacifica Siva Pacifica yeah
0: so I, I've talked to them, I've talked to one of them yeah um, and that's who I kind of want to send my kids through to go learn mm-hmm. uh, Polynesian dance uh, a lot of it's up north so like there's a podcast called sorry about it and they have a lot of they're they're really plugged in to the mm-hmm. community up there and it's so the community up in Salt Lake is so big yeah it's such a big area um, but there' I feel like I, I follow Fred Frost on Instagram the tattoo artist. And I feel like there's something going on every weekend up there. Um, like, they had, a like, a 5K run. They yeah. Had, um
1: Yeah, you got a quite a bit of Polynesians yeah. up there. Yeah, huge community.
0: Yeah, and they had, like, uh, 801 Fest, but it was all Polynesian artists. I think Fiji headlined it. Mm. Um, we're also not too far away from Vegas. There's a lot of stuff that goes on there. Um, I know that Reggae Rise Up, I missed that one. That one was a big one. It was a three-day festival. Um, I don't know. It'd be nice to have something here.
1: Yeah, and I think, like, I would love to do it. And it comes down to you know, you know, finance. Yeah. Uh, And would it be profitable? It
0: seems seems easy because before I started doing, because my wife and I have it's, you know, my wife pretty much runs it. It's called Saint George Latin Dance Night. So she's half Cuban, and we're just getting off the ground everything that goes behind it it's easy for somebody that doesn't know anything like hey man why don't you throw this kind of festival like, yeah do you not like polynesians do you not like yourself so. why don't you do this <laughs> uh, it, it's kind of it's kind of easy to just start throwing that stuff around when you realize spot you need sponsorships you need the financing mm-hmm. you need the permits you need the security mm-hmm. there's uh, so many things that go behind going behind the scenes and i can't imagine like. For landslide when I went two years ago, like how much you had to deal with just to get that off the ground. Yeah, this year literally times it by 20, yeah. just like
1: with all this stuff going on. No, it's crazy. It can be absolutely just mind boggling at times. But, uh, no, it's like you said, it's uh, there's a lot of other aspects that go into it. And I would love to if the market, you know, had a demand. Yeah, correct.
0: It. And it's like I learned about, um, ROI, rate of, wait. Yeah. The, is it rate of?
1: The, uh, <clears throat> your ROI. Yeah.
0: So I'm it's saying that right?
1: your return on investment. Yes. Yes.
0: If your ROI doesn't make, doesn't mm-hmm. map out right, then there's really no point. That's kind of like where I get tripped up because I'm not very business minded, whereas my wife is, like, she's very business minded. Um, but just doing all that and putting like, cause I, I feel like you put your heart and soul into a landslide and for, nice. you know, for you not to have like, you need, you need the return, like not only financially, but for like, to, to satisfy your soul. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I think this last year we're still heavily in the grind. Um, definitely satisfied my soul part didn't satisfy financially no. <laughs> they, they you give three to five years for a festival yeah. and, and so you know according to that there's a lot of ways that we're well beyond um ahead of the game i would say um but no we're it's it's looking pretty good so we have high hopes for it
0: um let's see last questions so have you ever ate horse i have does it taste <laughs> It tastes good I've always wanted to try. You've never tried, no. No dog, no.
1: no. Oh man, no dog. Dog sucks. Oh, um, I wouldn't do that. What
0: was it? Uh, so my first podcast was with Chris Vea. And yeah. He so he's half Tongan, and we we go back. You can hear us go back and forth with the horse jokes. It's something that like you know oh, growing man. growing up with with a, like you don't hear yeah the, like other people wouldn't understand it if you're Polynesian you understand it. But, like, my uncle actually gave me a really good explanation of why. Have you heard of why Tongans eat horse? Uh-uh. So he gave me a really good explanation. Yeah. Okay. And he was saying, because he he's He uh, he's gone. To, he used to own um, taro plantations in Samoa. Oh, okay. And he did, I think he did some export to Tonga or something like that. I can't uh-huh. really remember. Uh, but he was telling me that Tonga is very, it's not very mountainous it's like yeah. kind of it's very flat mm-hmm. and so a, he what he told me was a big hurricane came a really bad one and just knocked everything down and the only thing standing was horses What of course you're gonna eat the horse <laughs> so that's why like that's where that's what he told me probably the dogs too yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, you know, they're, 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 my my uncle um he's married to my aunt he's uh at his dad's funeral he was telling us a a story about how um, I think I think it was his dad the wife uh, had a dog that she loved oh no and I think he ended up Swiping it, yeah. <laughs> deleting it. Yeah, I think <laughs> I, I want to say that was one of his story. I've heard the story. I've I've heard the story a lot about yeah, like. I've had a friend.
1: That's what happened to his dog. Yeah. He came home, ate supper, wonder where his dog was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, it's not
0: good. I remember my fa, my cousin Fa. He was on a, he was on his mission in Cambodia, and so his thing was like, I want to eat what the, mm, what yeah. the locals eat. And so he he ate cat and stuff like that. He's like he caught and killed his own cat. I'm like, Jeez, I'm like that's dedication. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's the um, those those stories from the old timers that that really put things in perspective that they were so hungry that they had to eat dog. Yeah, you know, because that's what they had. You know, you never know if a bad bad disease came and wiped out the the um, the crops or maybe the fishing wasn't good that year or that at that certain time
1: you gotta do what you gotta do
0: yeah <laughs> um horse
1: is not bad though i mean I, i've always wanted I, to try it it's kind of sad i like horses it's sad when you think too much about it but it's really sad if you think about you know think too much about anything even cows yeah baby cows are cute but yeah horses are uh, pretty dang good
0: yeah my wife she's a uh, she really loves horses She's the barrel race oh yeah and so when i told her about that she's like <laughs> Oh, I can't. It's like it, it's it's cultural. It's it's something. Uh, I think that that's a thing. Like it's their culture. Mm-hmm. You can't.
1: You I'm know, pretty sure it's illegal though. Yeah.
0: In the United States, in, yeah, in the yeah. United States, it is.
1: I don't really know how my aunties get it maybe the little black market or there, something, yeah, there's probably a black market somewhere that's here. where i had my first horse was in yeah. oregon <laughs> I, I think
0: it, see it see is that. there is a legal outlet for it okay. um,
1: maybe if it's imported in it's already yeah been i think i think it's imported in just the in. action of killing and you can't processing. kill it here in america
0: <laughs> i dude this is a horrible story <laughs> but i'm going to tell it <laughs> there was a... I had a friend a uh, tongan friend manu and uh, he lived in Fontana. And he was telling us this story. And that his... So his, I think it was his friend or his cousin. And so he had a fence. And he was going to go kill the horse. And the guy ended up getting arrested. But what happened <laughs> was he went to go kill the horse. But the kids were on the next door. The, the next door were on the trampoline. oh, they were <laughs> So they it. saw it happen. And I was like, oh man, that sucks. <laughs> but like, you know, you can't really yeah i don't know it that's be, that's only and dynamite yeah. <laughs> when you it's come up cow. with like traditions and culture like where do you draw the line like i i i would never want to keep somebody from doing that like I, dog's a different thing because they, they're <laughs> man's best they our best dude. friends but i know hunters that have tried coyote so it's pretty yeah. much the same i don't know i we just went down a rabbit hole
1: yeah man lines are hard <laughs> but, to draw when it comes to culture
0: yeah and you know i'm hope hopefully people enjoy this podcast i have I've, I've this is one of my more enjoyable interviews no, um we ju- i sorry i kind of jumped all over the place um this is the first one i've done in a few months so i'm grateful that i met Ammon. Yeah. uh like yeah, i said you really looked across the across the tables like like I must be Polynesian it
1: doesn't look Mexican <laughs> maybe he's <a> <laughs> dude I've gotten uh,
0: I've gotten Mexican Italian I've gotten uh, Arab mm-hmm. I've gotten Israeli got. it really depends on how long my beard is <laughs> <laughs> like when
1: it's you know when it's medium I think I'm Mexican if it starts growing up way too long definitely like uh, Arabic or something yeah. like
0: that um, do you want to promote your New Year's event
1: um, Yeah, so we're teaming up with Zion Live Entertainment. I'm doing more of the promotion side, and they're doing everything else. So um, it's having obviously, New Year's Eve this year. We had a little struggle with the city permitting, so we're actually doing it in Cedar, not St. George. Um,
0: yeah, we were supposed to be a part of that. Yeah. Thanks, Dixie Center.
1: <laughs> Jeez,
0: man. <laughs> I it's could cut that them. out. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs>
1: but, uh, yeah, so we're going to be doing it up there. You can go to Instagram, St. Jeezy, or Zion Live, um, and find the website there. I know it's a little more complicated. It's not my, my the, yeah. the URL. I, I don't know what it is. Um,
0: I'll link all of this in, in the Instagram post, and then we'll be, we'll be pushing it out on our Instagram Sweet. page. Um, so, like, if you're in Salt Lake... You don't want to be up there. You want to come enjoy some warmer weather, uh, even if you're in Vegas. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll link it in the show notes and uh, and on the Instagram page. Um, Evan, thanks for having me over, and no, thanks for thank agreeing you. to get an interview. Yeah, that's no, great. Um, thank you. We'll see you guys next Oh, well, you'll hear us next time. All right. All right.